The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Rappers, Angela Luzio, is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premier Dance Network. Body Rappers, Angela Luzio, is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer of the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premier. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 16 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello all, and welcome back to Pod Chat. <laughs> if you think that I sound weird, I apologize. I think two weeks ago when I recorded uh, this or the episode, I was beginning to come down with a cold, and I this is one of the longest colds I've had in a long time. So uh, for the past two weeks, I've been recovering. I'm finally feeling better, but the last thing for me to really get back is my voice. So if you think that somebody else is talking today, it no, it's me. Um, but yeah, I'm just at the end of a cold, so hopefully I'll be able to keep my voice throughout the remainder of this episode. Uh, what's going on? It's a new school year for everybody. We're officially out of the summer season. Yeah, it's still summer for another week or so, but, uh, we are out of the summer season and we are starting to focus on the school year and starting to build our our performance season, our school season, and all of that. Um, I actually started the new school year with a couple of schools. So this year I am teaching at Greenwich Ballet Academy, and they're actually bringing me out twice a week to teach. Uh, it's been fun to see how they've been building their program there. Uh, it started with just two levels of contemporary dance to help, you know, smooth out and find and smooth out all those edges in that classical training uh, for the students there. So I I'm, I now have three levels there, and then I also work with the advanced students twice a week. So I'm really happy about that because I get to really dig in this year with them. Um, I'm also teaching at Ballet School of Stanford. I teach ballet every Saturday there, and it's nice to, to return there. 
Um, other than that, I, I'm still at Broadway Dance Center and I have my regular schedule of ballet classes, every, uh, every level of ballet. Um, and if you want to see when I'm teaching, you are more than welcome to go to broadwaydancecenter.com and go to my faculty bio. And uh, my schedule is always posted there. And then I post any updates on my social media. Uh, what else has been going on? Oh, fun things. There's somebody flying from Sacramento that is a... I believe the music director on a cruise ship and they are looking to enhance their artistic abilities by studying dance. So they'll be flying out to work with me over the next week, which is cool. Uh, it's funny cause I, when I first started teaching, like I had to travel to schools and I was always working locally and now it's fun to have people coming to, to work with me from around the country and the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, what else? Other than that, oh, this is exciting. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this because I, I think I've sort of like mentioned it before, but I never actually, or I mentioned like kind of what was happening, but um, I, di- I didn't really straightforward talk about it. And I can now because the October issue of Dance Mag- Magazine is starting to circulate. Uh, they always send it a few weeks before the actual date of the volume. So for the October issue, I am featured in the column, The Conversation. Um, And I wrote the article, (laughs) and it's about my work. It's actually called uh, Dollars and Nonsense. Um, and they, Dance Magazine approached me back in June to be a part of this new column, which is, was super exciting. The first person to write for this column, this is only the third month that, that, that it has existed. The first person to write for it was Julie Kent, the director of Washington Ballet and former ABT star. And she was talking about, uh, being honest with your dancers as a director, um, and yeah, I'm just so honored to have my writing and my work in there and there's some pictures and it's very exciting. So if you have a chance, uh, if you don't have a subscription for Dance Magazine, uh, go to your local store. You can even get in contact with them and check it out. I talk about uh, the debt that I, I incurred quietly um, while I was transitioning from performing to teaching over the th- three to four years that I was going from performing into full-time teaching. Um, so go ahead and have a read of that. They'll probably post it online at some point too, and I'll share that on my social media. So yeah, that was exciting. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> All right, let's get on to today's episode. Um, let's see. Most people know the famous phrase from uh, a song in the Broadway show and movie, A Chorus Line. Everything was beautiful at the ballet. I'm not going to sing it because it probably wouldn't be good. And then with my voice right now, it's just going to be really, really not good. (laughs) It'll be bad. So I'm not going to sing it. But everything was beautiful at the ballet. Um, And I'm almost always in agreement with this phrase. I love the ballet world. I love the stage. I love the magic of working alongside friends and community members to create a real-life storybook for thousands of audience members multiple evenings a week. (laughs) Beyond all of this, the culture of being in the ballet world is just so unique and fascinating. Our type of work, the way we work, the people we work with and their stories, and so much more. It's just really, really interesting. While there are many beautiful things about existing in professional ballet culture, as with most things, there is also a dark underbelly within our community. 
And unfortunately, part of that was exposed last week when Columbia University student dancer and model Alexandra Waterbury uh, publicly denounced the actions of her ex-boyfriend, now former New York City Ballet principal Chase Finley. He was employed at the time, but when this news broke, he resigned from the organization. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, a simple Google search will offer an array of international news articles and um, like feature spots on Good Morning America and local news. Um, and it'll explain the unfortunate situation that has arisen. Um, the short of it is that Chase is accused of sharing explicit sexual sexual images and videos of him and Alexander with his friends and colleagues without her consent. Um it honestly has been the biggest scandal to rock the ballet world since the acid attack on the director of the Bolshoi Ballet a few years ago. Uh, and while, while all parties are considered innocent until proven guilty, the immediate resignation from New York City Ballet by Chase Finley seems to speak volumes to the validity of Alexandra's claims. With all that said, I'm not here to judge Chase. I'm not here to judge Alexandra. Chase and I, we, we're friendly, and I'm very sad that he is at the center of the scandal. And I've also met Alexandra a few times, and I, I offer her my fullest support. And I have so much respect for her coming forth and sharing something that a lot of people wouldn't feel comfortable sharing. Um, so I... I I have care for both of them, and for that reason, I'm not here to pass judgment or to uh, pick sides, but uh, this topic offers me a pathway to talk about an issue that I've experienced personally since the beginning of my my career in dance, uh, or all the way back to the beginning of my dance training, actually, not even just my career. Um, Yeah, I wanted to talk about toxic masculinity in dance today. This has been a stressful issue within the dance community for me since I was a kid and was actually a reason that I I kept a journal at my first summer intensive when I went to Houston Ballet. And I I haven't read it in a while. It's I believe it's back home in uh, Downingtown, Pennsylvania, in one of the closets of my mom's house. Um, But it documented how excited I was to leave my local school uh, that had no boys dancing at it and to go to this major summer intensive where I knew there'd be dozens of guys. And I, I went there very excited and then I was so disappointed and depressed because I wasn't really becoming friends with a lot of the guys because of this their behavior and the machismo that they were giving off, this sort of like bravado to prove uh, or to make up for the idea that ballet people think ballet is effeminate um so i i I have a handful of things that i want to talk about on this topic because uh one of the conversations in a in a lot of the the news that has come forth in this situation at new york city ballet is that new york city ballet may have been allowing a uh, fraternity like atmosphere where the guys were like sort of puffing out their chests sexually and trying to show how absolutely masculine that they were to the point that it was demeaning to women and that um, people weren't showing the respect for their colleagues and partners that you would hope that people would. And I know ballet dancers aren't like 
famous public figures. I mean, you have Misty Copeland and Baryshnikov. They're famous, famous. But most ballet dancers are just ballet famous. So, uh, But beyond that, we are still, as dancers, public figures. So uh, it, it's you would hope people that are out in the spotlight would be good representatives of our community. Okay. So before I get started on really like picking this apart, I want to talk first about what the idea of toxic masculinity is. Um, and I was looking online and there's a handful of articles about this and there's some, some that talk about it and very straightforward. There are others that say it's kind of, uh, What's the word? You know how everything gets PC'd. It's it's kind. Of, they they say that it's it's unfair to call it toxic masculinity, but um, I'm just going to give you an idea of what people are saying it is. So if you go on Wikipedia, it's actually called hegemonic masculinity, um, and it says conceptually hegemonic masculinity proposes to explain how and why men maintain dominant social roles over women and other gender identities which are perceived as feminine in a given society. So essentially, it's the idea of men trying to uh, highlight their more what are considered more masculine personality traits um, in order to uh, maintain their dominance in society. Uh, going down a little bit further, it says that the adjective hegemonic refers to the cultural dynamics by means of which a social group claims and sustains a leading and dominant position in a social hierarchy. Uh, nonetheless, hegemonic masculinity embodies a form of social organization that has been sociologically challenged and changed. Okay, so uh, it's interesting stuff. So that's the idea that toxic masculinity is. And when I think of tox- toxic masculinity personally, the things I think about are, are guys that are willing to put up a fight really, really quickly to defend themselves. Instead of having a conversation to figure something out, they might just pop off and try to start start a fight. Um, other things that uh, could be considered a part of toxic masculinity uh, is that idea of being oversexed. The idea that men feel that they should go out and sleep with as many people as possible in order to prove that they are manly, um, and then not caring about the people that they are in relationships with or having relations with, um, maybe talking demeaningly about them as if they, they as people are not as important as, uh, the bravado of the man. Um, sometimes people call it locker room talk, the, a lot of the, the toxic masculinity. And when that locker room talk is real or it starts to go outside of the locker room or whatever that stands for, the locker room stands for, um, that really is the embodiment of uh, toxic masculinity. Uh, so let's talk about what toxic masculinity looks like, at least in dance. I'm going to give examples for myself from training, from my training and my career and my life. Um, I think the first time that I really noticed toxic masculinity was, I actually remember it. I remember the moment that I actually noticed it. When I was in fifth grade, I was a safety and I remember being in the hallway with another safety and you know, the people that like the older kids in school that enforced the rules that, so I was waiting out there before the kids were let out of classroom to go to the buses. And one of the safety, he was like, you dance. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, are you gay? Because you look, 
you, you're so, and, and I was like, what? Like how, I don't understand why you're asking that. He's like, well, it's not so much that you dance. It's just that you're so skinny. Um, he saw me being skinny as an effeminate trait. He was a bigger, bulkier guy. Um, that was like the first little inkling that I had of that. And once I entered middle school, that's when things really picked up. Uh, there was a group of guys that would make fun of me because I danced and they would call me Richard Simmons. Um, Richard Simmons, who helped so many people <laughs> lead healthy lives. And yes, he was flamboyant, but he was inspirational and motivational. Um, these guys would walk around school and they would call me Richard Simmons. Um, and then... Like I would see them on the school bus and they'd be punching each other in the arms and they would talk about their these sexual things that they were doing or they would talk about women and uh, but they would they would do it in a demeaning way and I, I never felt like a part of that group and it started to make me pull away um, and that was around the time that I really mostly started hanging out with girls in school and this is actually a common thing that happens with a lot of male dancers especially gay male dancers they tend to hang out with women because either the straight males or the, the gay males that are trying to defend their sexuality uh, or their masculinity, they feel the need to uh, always sort of be butting heads like animals out in a field, uh, butting heads to prove like, or to, to, to sort of fight to see who's like ruling the roost. Um, so yeah, that was my experience in middle school with toxic masculinity. I'm not going to go into all details because some of it's probably not stuff that I should share on here uh, unless I want to get a mature rating on this episode and I try my best to keep it away from that. But I, um, that's what I experienced there. So when I, it was kind of nice to go to the dance school, my dance school, because it gave me a, a, a getaway. So I didn't have to deal with defending myself without also doing these bravado acts or of talking or even physical, like pushing each other around wrestling. Um, I could just go and I could be me and I, I didn't have to worry about people judging me that much. Okay. So then this is where it starts getting interesting. So I went to Houston Ballet when I was 16 years old for the summer intensive. And I was so, like I said before, I was so excited to meet all of these guys and, and to actually have like male friends that I could bond with. And I barely bonded with anybody. Like I got along with my roommate only because we had to sleep in the same room. But the guys in the ballet program were constantly trying to one-up one another uh, and judging the, the guys that were less masculine than them, or I wouldn't say less masculine, but act, acting, not acting in the way that they were. Um, and it, it got as far as, like they, of course, they would talk and then they would talk about the girls in the program and then they'd talk about sleeping with the girls in the program, um, always in a very derogatory way. Um, but then it turned into sort of testing the boundaries amongst each other. So like I said, a lot of times they would be like punching in the shoulders or the guys would be wrestling in the middle of the rec room. Um, I remember even one night the guys were, uh, a couple of the guys were claiming how they were walking around while people were sleeping in their room and they were teabagging them. Um, 
And if you don't know what teabagging is, it's when you put your private parts on somebody's face while they're sleeping. Um, so like these seemed like practical jokes at the time, and I didn't really think about that back then. Um, it took years for me to, to think in this way where it was this toxic masculinity that was coming through. But uh, the guys were trying to show me how confident they were in their masculinity. Um, but there's a difference between being confident in yourself and trying to overly prove that you are masculine. Uh, this continued into the year-round programs where uh, when I went to the School of American Ballet, for instance, I remember I didn't really partake in a lot of things that people did in class. Like the guys would do this thing with their finger where they would snap it down your butt and it would hurt really bad um, while you were in your tights. I, I didn't partake in that. And sometimes it would leave bruises. Um, also, they would make lots and lots of noise to try to distract people while they were doing very dangerous things like tombe coupe jetes or double tours or double soda boss, like the big jumps, they would shout just to sort of freak somebody out so that maybe they'd fall out of it. Luckily, nobody ever got hurt. Um, but these are other things that I saw as displays of toxic masculinity in my training. Then, <laughs> and I, I'm not telling, there are many wonderful things about my, my training and my career. This is about toxic masculinity. I don't want you to think that this is how it was every single day. But these, there are, these are just instances, but it's important for me to talk about them in this conversation as our dance world is starting to evolve. Um, once I got into a company, it was really interesting because uh, you have children entering the company with adults. So there's this weird mixing of kids and then like young adults and then adults and then some that are like very, very far in their life process, like married with kids. Um, so there's this odd mixing of personalities and innocence and not so much innocence. Um, and yeah, when I joined Houston Ballet, Houston Ballet had a handful of guys that were straight in the company when I was there, where when I was at Pacific Northwest Ballet, there were more gay men in the company. And it's interesting because now it seems in Houston Ballet, there are a handful more gay men and Pacific Northwest Ballet, there are a lot more straight men. It sort of flows. There is no rule to how many gays and straights there are in companies. Um, it's fluid. Sometimes it could be 50-50, it could be 75-25 and never skewing towards the higher level for gay. Um, it's really like most workforces with a hint of elevation in people being more open. Um, but yeah, so it was interesting to enter that atmosphere being, I wasn't, I wasn't out yet. I didn't know I was gay at that point yet. I was just kind of living my life. Um, but I, I had trouble talking to a lot of the men in the company because I would watch them play games or they'd walk around naked and they would make their penis go back and forth like they were joking around um and i'm not judging that and i'm not saying that sometimes it wasn't it was funny but a lot of times it was this display of like look at me look how manly i am um and at that point i started to really recognize that the, and not not just then, but as I went to Pacific Northwest Ballet, that a lot of times the straight men in ballet, they felt that if they just were themselves, that it wasn't enough for people to not judge them and assume that they were gay. 
um, or that they were effeminate. Be, because I will say, people constantly, they constantly asked about people's sexuality and dancers, even though we are an accepting bunch, people are always questioning whether the guys are straight or gay. And I think, I mean, that's just natural. It's always going to be there. But I think that that helped egg on that toxic masculinity because the guys, in order to not even be a question if they were gay or straight, sorry, if, if they were straight, they would be super, super straight and they would display all of the worst characteristics of masculinity to try to make to, to make sure that people didn't even question it. And it was interesting because even some of those guys, there were rumors that they were sleeping with some guys on the side. So it's not even a, it's not even a f fully, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, there's no fail safe. People are people. I don't believe in gay or straight. Honestly, I think of, of a spectrum where anybody could be with anybody, but they're most likely or more likely to be with, with a certain, uh, gender or type of person but uh yeah there there were there were so many things happening in that company and since that one skewed straighter i was less comfortable there when i got to pacific northwest ballet and i had more colleagues that were were gay it it allowed me to sort of settle down a little bit and create more male friendships but i honestly had very few male friendships until a couple of years of joining pacific northwest ballet because i was so turned off by this toxic masculinity that was around. Um, and I, I, I'm not trying to say I am higher and above all of that. There were probably a couple times where with me, maybe I displayed toxic masculinity and I can't remember it. Um, I'm not trying to do this podcast and pretend like I feel like I, I'm above that and I'm better than everybody else. But I, I can say for me, like that wasn't really the type of person that I was. So I tended not to engage in it. And I, through that, I tended to not have as many male friends because I didn't want to engage with them in it. Um, so yeah, that's what I think toxic uh, masculinity looks like when it comes to dance. I'd be, I'll be curious if there are any dancers out there that want to add to this conversation. Um, you can always reach out to me on my website contact page, which I'll give at the end of this uh, this podcast. You can also leave me a message on social media, but I, I would be open to having a private conversation about this or if it were to be something we wanted to talk publicly about, I could even do something here or in some of my writing, but, um, moving on from that. So I kind of got a little bit to this, but I want to talk about why toxic masculinity is, is here. I was visiting my, my mom this past weekend for Rosh Hashanah. Oh, happy Rosh Hashanah and happy Yom Kippur to all of my Jewish friends out there, all my Jewish listeners. Uh, sorry, sidetracked. So I was talking to my mom be, about this whole thing with uh, Chase and, and Alexandra, and I was explaining to her how it's, it's interesting because there, there was a video from Sarah Jessica Parker's New York City Ballet uh, web series where they had different episodes, and one of the episodes featured uh, the male dancers. And Chase and Amar are Ramazar, who is uh, who's also New York City Ballet principal and has been uh, in Carousel on Broadway. They're talking about uh, how they were made fun of as kids, and then right in front of the camera, they both Chase goes, "Well, the he, he goes well." 
people make fun of us, but we're the ones in the studio getting to touch and be around women all day long. And they both laugh, which it's, I mean, it's kind of foreshadowing of what was to come. But the thing is, you can read into that all you want, but that conversation happens with almost every single straight male during their training. Um, so I was talking with my mom when I was, I think in eighth grade, it might've been ninth grade. So like 13, 14 years old, there was an article about me and my dancing in our local newspaper in Coatesville, Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Um, and in that article, my mom is quoted saying, what boy wouldn't want to be surrounded by beautiful women wearing very little all day long? Um, and <laughs> at the time, like, I mean, that's what, that's what people said. And people still say that every single day today in defense, trying to help boys out so that they feel confident to stay in dance so that they can live out their dreams because so many boys are deterred from dancing because it, it, we are made fun of so much um, but at the same time that puts that idea in, in, in young dancers heads and then it only allows it to grow more from there um, beyond that there's also that tiresome football analogy trying to hyper masculinize uh, the idea that men can still dance it it's it's like the the conversation should really be it's masculine to dance how how can we tell people that it's masculine to dance without having to pick what society views as a masculine person dancing because there are all types of people dancing and just because you wear tights and you point your toes and you can hold your arms up in the air and you can move with fluidity and you can lift your leg to your ear and all that stuff what why is that effeminate it doesn't make sense but instead of teaching people about the masculine parts of dance, the idea of chivalry, the idea of uh, lifting, the idea of athleticism. We sit here and we talk about being around, about the joys of being around scantily clad women and the fact that really butch sports guys take ballet class to help them with their sports. It's That is the seed of the issue of toxic, toxic masculinity in dance. Um, and I think that we really need to work to find a way to to step away from that and to actually educate audiences versus just going the dumbed down route, the simple, easy route of just taking the most obvious image of something that somebody would consider to be masculine and then trying to put that in the box of ballet and saying that, oh, well, football players, they dance too and it helps them out. Sorry, I'm getting a little passionate here, but it's just so frustrating that this idea of masculinity, it, it, like you hear it in the gay community all the time, just because you are attracted to men doesn't mean you can't be masculine. But also at the same time, if you aren't what the perceived notion of masculine is, there's also nothing wrong with that. Just live your life and enjoy your life and do the things that you love. Um, that's really how the world should work. But our brains classify things in a certain way. And then our culture, we we're, we socialize and we try to put all these rules to things so we can understand the way the world works. Um, and this is just, I guess, the next step in that whole thing. Um, so yeah, that's the beginning of that toxic masculinity, that breeding of toxic masculinity amongst guys. Um, and then once the men that do continue dancing or uh, go into pre-professional training, the bigger schools, or they go into companies. Um, another part of the issue is how 
the community of accepting dancers makes assumptions about male sexuality. I remember when I first joined Pacific Northwest Ballet, I still wasn't out yet. And um, one of the principal dancers had a dancewear line. And I was looking at tights and there was a pair that I thought was really cool. And I'll, I'll tell the truth. I was looking at them for like 10 minutes and I wasn't going to buy them because I was afraid that the dancers, because I was new to the company, would just assume that I was gay, even though I, I wasn't even out yet. Um, so I didn't purchase them. And in an attempt to just let me be me, that principal dancer said, come on, Barry, do you, are you not going to buy them because all the dancers are going to think that you're gay? Just buy them. And so in that moment, like it kind of turned me off. She, she called me out. Um, but at the same time, it made me uncomfortable. And uh, I think that there was something in there where she also was like, are you gay? So it, I ended up buying them and I still own them and I love them. But it's it's just interesting because even in our very accepting dance world, a lot of times all of the dance, dancers will get together in their groups and they'll start making judgments about people, especially newer dancers. And they'll say, oh, they must be gay. They must not. And if a dancer isn't ready to come out yet, people will start giving them inklings. Um, when I started to prepare to come out at Pacific Northwest Ballet, um, there was a, a woman having a baby and all of the female company members were going to a baby shower and all the gay guys were. And one of the male principals came up to me and said, you know, they're only inviting gay guys to come. Um, and you know, you are, you are whatever you want, but you're well, you should come too. Um, and I, I, again, I, it was pushy. So I felt uncomfortable because I felt like they were questioning whether I was gay or not and that they were trying to force me to come out when I wasn't ready to yet. Um, so I think what happens is as the dancers talk and mingle, as word starts to get around, are they gay or are they not? Oh, they are gay, but they're with a girl. Uh, that starts to make the men that are straight feel the need to be even more this idea of masculinity. So there are multiple reasons why I think this talk, this toxic masculinity is there in our, our dance world. Um, the question is, how do we resolve it? Cause it's all, there's always going to be a bit of it there. Um, does it start with changing the, the ways that we support young dancers to allow them to feel safe and comfortable to train and do what they love? Or does it happen once dancers are in the companies and just shutting down their behavior? I mean, it's a lot easier to take care of something uh, early on than it is to fix it once it's already in, in full bloom. So I think it starts at the beginning of training. Um, and that's a conversation that I would like to start. So, yeah, how, how can we best support men to feel safe, confident, and empowered without using toxic masculinity as a defense mechanism? I've already talked about this a little bit. Um, and honestly, I think it comes down to finding ways to support boys while they're training um, and to give them tools to defend themselves without making it about over-sexing these boys, over-sexualizing the idea of being in the studio with all these girls. Um, beyond, the, <laughs> beyond if they are, if they aren't straight, that will make them uncomfortable if they're gay. But if they are straight, it's just going to keep on reinforcing these, these concepts in their mind. I think also it's important to 
have people just checking in with the if there are multiple men in uh, in schools, che- have people checking in with their social groups. Um, maybe find out what they're talking about. Make sure that there are conversations with adults to explain that you are in a field where. Uh, you're going to be around a bunch of women and you're going to touch them and there are appropriate things and there are inappropriate things. Um, and this is what's okay. And this is what's not. It's kind of like, uh, the birds and the bees. Some parents, they completely avoid the conversation. Some people, some parents go too far into it. Um, but if, if a parent goes into it with education and the right tools, they can explain it to the kids. And of course there'll be a minor discomfort, but at least their kids will know how to take care of themselves and how to take care of the people that they're with. Um, so I think that that's the best way to support it. I think, uh, as we grow older, It'll be, it's more challenging, but I do think that it is possible. And I think it's really just letting men know that it's continu- continuing the, the social shift of letting men know that it's okay to not embody all of these super uber masculine traits. Um, understanding that really being a man <laughs> is about. A, your identity, and then B, your genitals. That's about it. Everything else is social. So it's the idea that saying that you are a man because you are a man, not you are a man because you can lift heavy things and you can defend yourself physically and you can get as many women as you want. Like I don't think that that, I mean, that's obviously not helpful. So finding ways to allow men to be comfortable and not feel judged. It's really, I think, the judgment that that pushes it. But I, I'm kind of at a loss beyond all of this. I think that, I again, this is a conversation I'd like to start with all of you listeners out there. What do you think is the best way that we can support men to feel safe, confident, empowered in the dance world? Um, I did a podcast a while ago about masculinity in dance. Um, you should go back and listen to it. I don't remember what episode it is, but you can scroll down in iTunes or in the Premier Dance Network site. Um, and I talked a bit about why I think it's masculine to dance. Um, so maybe if you have any male dancers that you're working with as a teacher, or if you're working in a company um, and you'd like to support male dancers to be positive role models and good guys, um, maybe listen to that and then share that with them or make it a conversation. But how do you think we can best support men to not feel the need to portray this image of what it means to be a masculine man? It's a masculine man. I just find it so interesting because the idea that most people see dancing men as less masculine or effeminate and the the men some of the men straight men that are in companies are actually some of the most masculine or going farther further into that toxic masculinity um so yeah it's just very fascinating to me and i wanted to make sure that i talked about this because it was very relevant um and again i don't want to say too much uh pertaining to this lawsuit. Again, 
I, I'm a very big supporter of Alexandra Waterbury and I, I hope that some of these claims aren't true, but it just seems, it seems right now, uh, the events wouldn't have come out the way that they have if it, if it, there wasn't truth to her claims. And if you are listening, Alexandra, or if I see you around Columbia or around the city, I, I want to let you know that I do support you. I, I'm not going to touch upon this very much more at the moment. Maybe at some point in the future, I will. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that this horrible situation has at least allowed me to talk about a, a subject that a topic that I think is is very important to start a conversation on. So let me know what you think. I'll give you my information in a second so that you can uh, add into that conversation um, and tell me about things that you've experienced or tell me if you have ideas on how we can work with this or if you think that I'm completely wrong or if I'm completely right, uh, let me know what you think. All right. Well, this has been <laughs> this has been a, a, a very different episode for me, um, but this is Pot of Chat Talking Dance where I get to talk about all things dance. So I'm glad that we can talk about things as frivolous as... <laughs> Uh, fun things in the dance world. Uh, we can talk about very, very deep, important topics as well. I hope that you are, are enjoying this content. So with that, let's put an end to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, which is archived, and I wrote on there for five years about freelance dancing and independent contracting. Oh, and I have another blog. You can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. Again, this is Dancing Offstage, and you can uh, read about the post-performance careers of professional dancers there. I also have a YouTube channel if you'd like to check out my choreography, and you can find that by going on youtube.com, going in the search bar and putting B Corollas. That's B with my last name. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chats. I hope you return in two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.